our message, so let's just pray before I speak the word of the Lord. Adonai, I thank you for your presence here today. I thank you that you are God. And as we sang today, you have no rival. And Kaloha Adonai, there is no one like you. You alone reign supreme. And for that, we are so grateful. And we are so uh, moved and our hearts are filled with gratitude to know that you love us and that you desire to speak to us today. So we ask for ears to hear and a heart to receive and that our lives would be changed uh, by your word this morning. In Yeshua's name, amen. So as I said, today is a special Shabbat. It is called Shabbat Shuvah, and that comes from the very first word of our special Haftorah reading from Hosea. And it is always the Sabbath between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And my husband and I were brilliantly discussing this this morning. You know, it doesn't so normally, doesn't normally come the day before Yom Kippur uh, because sometimes uh, Rosh Hashanah is not on the Shabbat and so it can get uh, a little further apart. Uh, there's obviously a, a connection between Shabbat Shuvah and the word Tishuvah, which this is a season, season of Tishuvah. Tishuvah means repentance. And the word Shuvah literally means to turn or to return. So obviously a part of repentance is to return to, to Adonai. And um, you know this word, the root word that Shuvah and Tishuvah comes from in Hebrew, it's the word Shuv. It occurs 129 times in the Tanakh in the context of the covenant relationship uh, that God uh, created with man. And today, I want you to know that that is the heart of God. Uh, there's one simple truth that I want to speak about today, and that is that God loves you and that he loves me, and he wants to have a personal relationship with us. Unfortunately, mankind has done a lot to avoid that relationship and to turn the opposite way. And that is why Adonai is saying, Shuvah, return, come back to me. Um, and what is Adonai asking us to return to? He wants us to return to his love. And that is the name of uh, my message, the title of my message. Even in this Haftor reading for today, the prophet emphasizes the heart of God is a heart of love. As he starts out in that first verse, the first couple of verses, return, your sins, your guilt is there. But then he goes on to talk about God's love. So I want to read from Hosea 14. I'll start with verse 1, and then I'm going to jump down to verse 4. Uh, the verses will be projected over here in the sanctuary or below me here uh, on the YouTube or Facebook. So this is what the prophet said, and God is speaking through the prophet. Return, Yisrael, Shuvah, to Adonai your God. Verse 4, this is God speaking. I will heal their disloyalty. I will love them freely, for my anger has turned from him. I will be like dew to Israel. He will blossom like a lily and strike roots like the Lebanon. His branches will spread out. His beauty be like an olive tree and his fragrance like the Lebanon. Again, they will live in his shade and raise grain. They will blossom like a vine and its aroma will be like the wine of the Lebanon. So the essence of this special Shabbat is a call from the heart of God. And that call to mankind is return to my love. Return to my love. So I want to talk about that in the message here this morning. And first of all, talk about what his love is. He says return to his unconditional love. 
The love of God is unconditional, meaning you and I cannot do anything to earn this love. He says here in the verse 4, I will love them freely. The Hebrew word here for freely is the word nadav, and it means you're not compelled to do it. In other words, it's not out of obligation. You make a choice of your free will to do something. And God is saying, I am not obligated to love you. I am not forced to love you, but I choose freely to love you. And God wants us to understand his love, and he wants us to return to that love that he has for you and for me. In 2 Chronicles 6, 15, it says, O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven or on earth, keeping covenant and showing steadfast love to your servants who walk before you with all their heart. Do you hear the steadfast uh, love of the Lord? I posted on my Facebook page this week. I was reading in uh, the book of Eka, Lamentations. Uh, great is thy faithfulness. Your mercies are new every morning. Everything about God is, is awesome and steadfast and secure. And God wants us to know that his love is steadfast. It's not fickle. The love of mankind it changes. You can say you love me today and tomorrow you can tell me you hate me. That's just how it is. Human beings, our love is not steadfast. But God's love does not change. He loved you yesterday, he loves you today, and he will love you tomorrow. And there's not anything that you and I could do to make God love us less. This is a season of repentance. And you may be thinking, uh, hopefully you've spent these 10 days in introspection and reflection, and you may be thinking of the things that you have done and saying, oh, how could God love me? Well, God wants you to know no matter what you have done, he loves you. He loves you, and he is calling you back. To his love today. And there are some who are listening to me today, either on the podcast or here on the, the recording. And you've done some pretty uh, mean things. And you knew God. And you had a relationship with him. Uh, but one day you made a turn. It was just a little slight turn, and you didn't think it was really going to infect you, but that little turn took you down a path. And that path led you far away from God. And uh, God brought you to hear this, whether a friend directed you here or whatever, because God wants to say to you, his love is unconditional. And he wants you to know that he is calling you to come and to return to his love today. You have not done something that he cannot forgive. And he does not love you less because of the choices that you have made. And his arms are open wide today. And his word to you, my friend, is return. He says, return to my love. The prophet Jeremiah 31 says, Adonai speaking to him. It says, from a distance, Adonai appeared to me saying, I love you with an everlasting love. That is why in my grace I drew you to me. The everlasting God, love of God, a love that will never, ever cease. Again, he loved me yesterday, he loves me today, and he will love me tomorrow. On my best of days and on my worst of days, God loves me just the same, and he loves you just the same.
Unfortunately, like Israel, mankind has, has been unfaithful. He says, I will heal their disloyalty. The Hebrew word there is mishuvah. So you hear the word shuvah in there? So that was our first word, shuvah, return. And here it says mishuvah, me means from. So you have turned from returning. And God says, I'm going to heal that. Okay? I'm going to heal that. A lot of us have done our own thing, and we've ignored God and his, his principles. And in our society, it has gone even further. There is such hatred towards God and his people. I'm sure you can see it and sense it. There's a, just an unfair treatment of the body of Messiah in our world today. Obviously, there is chaos and things going on. No one thought that our world would be as it is today when January 1st, 2020 came around. But when you look at what is happening, you cannot fail but to see how the people of God are treated differently in the things that are happening and the things that are being required in this country. In fact, I would go as far as to say there's a hatred against God and his people. And we know the source of that hatred. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's not a senator. It's not a representative. It's not, it's not our governor. God bless him. And we pray for our governor, Cuomo. We pray for you, Governor Cuomo, that you would come to know God. There's a spirit behind it, and that is the spirit of Satan. But there is the spirit that it wants to put out and shut us up and more than marginalize us, it's, it's beyond marginalizing us. It is like removing us. And in the midst of that, God's not upset and God's not angry at the people trying to do that. And you might be one of those people listening right now. And God's saying, I love you. I love you still the same. And we need to do our part as a community to, to stand up for what we know to be right and to pray. And, and I meant to pray before I started my message, but I'm going to pray here as I did in the first service. You know, we pray every week for our nation, for the world. Uh, right now in Washington, D.C., there are two events happening uh, with the Body of Messiah. Rabbi Jonathan Kahn and a group of spiritual leaders are there in the return, and Franklin Graham is there for a prayer walk. And we prayed on Thursday night, and I would just encourage, you know, that we are not alone. We're a smaller congregation, and sometimes our prayer meeting on Thursday can be uh, like a handful. And may think, what is our prayer mannering? Well, we are joining with many, many hundreds of thousands around the world. So just join me as we pray with them right now for our nation. God, we join with those who are in Washington, D.C. right now and those across our nation who, like us, couldn't make their But God, we, we have a heart for our nation, God, and we know that you have a heart for the people who live here in America. So we cry out with them today, God, for a return to you. That's what this day is about. Shabbat Shuvah, a Shabbat of return, a Sabbath of return. And God, I pray, Lord, for men and women across this nation to turn to you, God, 
those who have shook their fist in your face, those who said, I have no need of God in my life, may you bring them to their knees in repentance, God, and may they cry out as we read it in the book of Acts, what must I do to be saved? God, we pray from the White House, God, uh, to our governor's mansion, Lord, to every official, Lord, ruling across this nation, to the man and woman on the street, to every boy and girl, every young person, God, that you would touch their hearts, Lord, in a powerful, mighty way, Lord, and bring them to yourselves. We know that is your heart, God. It is your heart that none would perish, but that all would come to you. So, God, we cry out for America, God. We say, have mercy, God. Have mercy on this nation, Lord, and draw the people to you. We pray for a great revival and awakening in our land, and we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen and amen. Amen. Don't underestimate the power of prayer. He says, where two or three, two or three are in my name, I will be there, and he hears and he answers. So God wants us to know about his love, and even when we want nothing to do with God, and we're trying to push him out of society and out of our life, what is God's response? How does he respond? With his unconditional love. Friends, it does not matter how far you have walked away from God. He still loves you. God sees and knows every thought you have ever had, every word you have ever spoken, and every action you have ever done. And in spite of that, he loves you, and he loves me. And for those of us who have already had that personal relationship, he is saying, you need to experience my love in a fresh new way because the enemy can torment us with guilt and condemnation. And as you're listening to this message, you can say, oh, I had a rough week. If the rabbi could only see what I did, God saw it. And you know God's response to you? Still his unconditional love. Still his unconditional love. Rob Shaul expresses it this way. But Messiah proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. I, whenever I think about what Yeshua has done for me, my heart is touched. God loved me, Messiah, when I didn't want anything to do with God. He loved me, and Messiah died so that my sins could be atoned for. And this love is what he is calling you to return to today. No matter where you are or what you've done, God says, come home. Come home. As I said, many have turned and walked away. And he is saying, return to my love today. And as we do, Adonai wants us to know what will happen when we turn to him and return to his love. And he lays this out here in Hosea 14 so beautifully. He says, returning to his love brings healing. The Hebrew here is erpa mishuftam. Why do we need healing? Well, first of all, we have been wounded by our own actions that led us astray from him. Secondly, we have been hurt by the actions of others. And finally, we have been hurt by the enemy of our soul. As I said, there is an evil power out there. The Bible calls him hasatan, and he has many demons. And they seek to kill, steal, and destroy, as my husband said last weekend. 
But Yeshua came to give us life and give it abundantly, and that life comes through the love of God. Many have shattered and broken hearts and spirits and emotions, and today God wants to bring healing to those. The Hebrew word for healing, many of us know it is the word rafa. It literally means to heal, but it also has the connotation of restoring to the whole, restoring to the whole, back to the whole thing. How did Adonai provide this healing? Once again, through the Messiah, and that Messiah is Yeshua. The prophet Isaiah speaks of the Messiah to come thousands of years before he ever came. In Isaiah 53, but it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced, and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole, and in his wounding we find our healing. That verse is speaking of Yeshua. And about 2,000 years ago, Yeshua left the glory of heaven. He came and lived on this earth. And at the end of his short life of 33 years, approximately, he gave his life on the tree of sacrifice to provide healing for you and me. Healing first and foremost of our spirit in, in atonement, but healing of our soul and of our emotions. And as God calls us to return to his love, he calls us to return to that place of healing. Yochanan puts it this way in Yochanan Allah, 1 John chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. He says, the light of God's love shined within us when he sent his matchless son into the world so that we might live through him. This is love. He loved us long before we loved him. Friends, it's not because you love him. It was his love, not ours. He proved it by sending his son to be the pleasing sacrificial offering to take away our sins. The love of God demonstrated for you before you even knew who God was. The book of Revelation tells us before the foundation of the world, the Lamb of God was slain. Before God even created, it was determined and decided. And Yeshua said yes. And God created us knowing that mankind would turn away and that he would have to spend centuries calling, saying, Shuva, Ami, Shuva, Ami, return my people. And he sent his son to take away our sins and to provide healing for us. Healing for our sins, atonement, tomorrow, Yom Kippur, Day of Atonement. It's all about our sins being atoned for, and we'll talk about that in our message for Yom Kippur. But Shabbat Shuvah is connected to that. You and I need our sins to be atoned for. God did that in his great love by sending the Messiah to die for us. And we could say Dayenu. No, it's not Passover, but we could say Dayenu. It, it would have been enough. If that's all that God did for you and me, that he died and my sins are forgiven, Dayenu. But he does so much more. He provided healing for my heart, your heart, 
our minds, our bodies, and our emotions. And as he's calling us to return to him, again, for those of us who are already in that relationship, really what he's saying is, I want you to experience my love in a fresh new way today. Because in my love, there is a healing power. And some of us need healing today. If you need to confess your sins and receive atonement, his love brings healing to atone you. If your body is sick, healing is yours. If your mind is weary, healing is yours. If your emotions are afraid, healing is yours. And that healing comes from the steadfast love of God Almighty. And he wants you to experience that today. The psalmist says he heals the wounds of every shattered heart. And God's love is where healing can be find, found. Healing first for our soul and spirit, atonement, but healing for every area. And some of us are a little weary and worn out. We know God. We've had the personal relationship for many, many years. But some of us have some wounds uh, that just won't heal, they seem like. And God wants to tell you today, return, experience my love in a fresh new way because I want to bring healing to that area of your life. This passage in Hosea also tells us that returning to his love brings peace. Peace is something that escapes many people today. As I said, our world is in chaos. And as we said many times over the last few months, anarchy stalks our society, seeking, seeking to take control and has been successful in some measure. And we've talked about fear and anxiety being uh, rampant across our nation. And before 2020, I had talked about this. I've been a, a believer for many, many years. I came to faith, faith at six years old. I've been in ministry for many, many moons. I came here on April 5th, 1983 to join the staff of this congregation. So I've been here many, many moons. And I can tell you, I have never seen the type, the level of anxiety and fear that I see today. And before 2020, I said that. You can go back and listen to some of my messages from previous years, and I would talk about that in some of my messages. From little kids, I had parents talking to me, about eight, nine-year-olds, struggling with anxiety and fear. A time of your life when you should be free and, and no care in the world. I can remember, I, I love to go to my grandmother's house. She lived 40 miles north of us, and my sisters and I would go spend the summer there Start out one week, two weeks, but we always begged for more. My dad would come up, he'd have to go. But I can remember, I must have been about 10 years old, and I'm riding on the bike, and I'm riding down the street in front of my grandma's heart, heart, uh, house, and this is the thought I have. Again, I remember certain m memories. I remember when I came to faith at six years old. But I'm riding down that bike, and I'm thinking, I don't have a care in the world. This is so cool. But I was conscious. I said, there's a lot of things going on in the world, but I don't have to worry about it. And off I went riding my bike. That's how a childhood should be. But our children are plagued with anxiety and fear before 2020. Adults, 
teenagers, young adults, college-age students. Anxiety. And through the arm of the media, in 2020, the enemy has sowed so much more fear into our airwaves. So I was reading an article this week on the discrepancy between the fear Americans are feeling towards this virus and the data actually available. Okay, and I will say this, I know the virus is will, real. I know we have people sitting right here in our congregation who was hospitalized, Joe, we're so glad that he's here, who was hospitalized, yep, and God brought him out. We personally know people who have died from the virus. Miss Rebecca, who was in our first service, lost her mother of 100 years old. So we understand the virus is real, and we, you see, when you come in here, we have two services, we're following all the guidelines, but there is unfounded fear concerning this. And that fear has been sown by the enemy through the arm of the media. And so this article is saying there's a polling by Gallup that indicates approximately 45% of Americans, that's half of Americans, are very worried or somewhat worried that they will contract, contract the virus. The Pew Research reveals 51% of adults have a high or medium psychological distress from their fear of this virus. And the American Psychiatric Association research indicates that 40% of Americans believe, believe they could become seriously ill and even die. You can go look these statistics up. I share this on my Facebook page this year. And again, it's not to minimize the almost 200,000 people who have died in our country. It is tragic. But the reality is 99, 98%, you go through the age brackets, even of the most vulnerable over 70, 95% of people who get this virus are going to survive. So why do 50% of Americans feel they're going to die? Because fear has been sown. Fear has been sown, okay, through the enemy of our soul. Fear has been sown. And God has not given us a spirit of fear. It says his perfect love casts out all fear and anxiety. And yes, there's a lot of uncertainty in, in our world situation today. And the uncertainty of what is going on has only exacerbated those feelings and anxious thoughts that people had before 2020. Well, I want to tell you today some good news. The good news is there's a cure for your fear and anxiety. And that cure is found in the love of God. His love gives great peace. As I quoted, Timothy says, his perfect love cast out all fear and anxiety. If your family is like my family, even though we try not to, the conversation often goes to the world situation. Try to, to change the topic, it keeps going back. Because it is a, a big thing. And often I have had a discussion with my son on this topic and on the frustration of not being able to change things and the struggle that is going on. And uh, one of the things I shared with him, because it's a story that God quickened to my heart through this, through this time period of chaos and anarchy and uncertainty of what's going to happen, I am reminded of the story of the Tin Boom family and 
and specifically Bessie. We know Corey Ten Boone, she's the one who wrote the books and spoke of all that God did. And those who don't know, this is a family that was sent to the concentration camp because they hid Jews uh, during World War II. And so they were found out and they were sent to that camp. So if you ever read the book or a movie was made of it, The Hiding Place, and you see, and I can see the picture of the actress who played her. I can see her in the, in the, in the, the barracks there. And uh, in the midst of great anarchy and, and, uh, and horribleness going on, Bessie had great peace. And I can see her trying to encourage her sister, Corey, who uh, was like most of us. <laughs> oh, you know. Yeah, why should I be, look at what's going on in the world, why should I be at peace? How did Bessie find peace, being in a concentration camp? She kept herself in the steadfast love of God Almighty. The reality is, I can't change what's going on in the world. I can do my part, and I can be a voice, and trust me, I am trying, all right? I am trying to, to be a voice that speaks, in the face of the darkness, okay? Uh, you know, as I said earlier, there is a, uh, there's a plot to destroy the body of Messiah. And again, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, uh, but against principalities and powers, but the powers have been unleashed and they have grown strength through this situation here in 2020. And... Uh, as I said in the first service, they do not want to marginalize believers. I truly believe they want to get rid of us. And that could make you be fearful or anxious. I'm not fearful and I'm not anxious. And it's not because of anything in me, but it's because of him and because I keep myself centered in the love of God. And when I get those moments where I do feel anxious, I mean, I am flesh and blood like you, and I have moments when I'm looking at what's going on or after a discussion with my husband, I might go and say, oh, my goodness, God, how are we ever going to get through this? I, what do I do? I have to bring myself back and center myself in the love of God. And the love of God gives me great peace, great, great peace. And that's what God offers you and I today. And especially for those of us who know him, you have a relationship with him. And maybe you are feeling anxious about things going on in the world, or maybe there's some personal things going on in your life. I have personal things going on you have no clue about. Things that, okay, that, that, that stir my heart up. What do I have to do with those things? What do you have to do with those personal things? You have to turn it to God. And you have to get in his, in his love and be rooted in his love because his love will give you peace. Tehillim 36, 7 says, Oh God, how extravagant is your cherishing love. All Mankind can find a hiding place under the shadow of your wings. What a beautiful picture of the peace that God wants to give to you and to me. So I was thinking about this verse and about the imagery of the shadow of your wings. You know, I've worked with children since I was about 15 years old. In the congregation I grew up in, my father started a a ministry for children, not the Sunday school hour, Shabbat school hour, but it was another ministry during the sermon time. And so I worked with my dad for two or three years, and then me and another young lady around 17 years old uh, took over that ministry. So 
I've worked with children a long, long time, and if you're in this congregation, you know that the children uh, are my heart, and I believe it's the most important ministry in this congregation. Uh, but I was reminded of a story uh, that we used to tell, and the story was called The Little Red Hen. And obviously back then we didn't have, you know, projectors and things like this, so uh, I can see the, the little picture book, you know, and, it, and so there was a fire that was coming, and this little red hen brought her chicks under her wings to protect them from the fire. And in the process, she gave her life. She died because of the fire, but her chicks lived. And obviously the story is to represent the love of God who died for us so that we could live. And so this imagery here is the love of God is seeking to pull us under his wings because under his wings is where you can find safety and it's also where you find peace instead of fear and anxiety. But this is what some of us are doing, and I believe in this story. Now I'm going to go have to find this story. Maybe my sisters are listening. You can help me find this story. Um, I think like one of the little chicks wanted to run away, and the mom's trying to pull it under. And some of us are like struggling against God, and God's trying to pull you. No, 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 come, Carol, come under my wing. Like, oh, no, no, I want it. And God is trying to pull us and under his wings. Why? Because under his wings is where you experience his love. It's a place of shelter, it's a place of safety, but it's also a place of great peace. And so God wants us to experience that today. Under the shadow of his wings of love, you can find safety and peace. Yeshua puts it like this when he's speaking to his Talmudim in Yochanan, John chapter 14. He says, I leave the gift of peace with you, my peace, not the kind of fragile peace given by the world but my perfect peace. Don't yield to fear or be troubled in your hearts. Instead, be courageous. The perfect peace of God. Man-made peace is temporary. Just like man's love. As I said, you could love me today and hate me tomorrow. You could be at peace with me today and at war with me tomorrow. Man's peace is fragile, but God's peace is perfect. And that is the peace that he wants you to experience today that he wants me to experience, and it's found in his steadfast love. That's why he is calling us to return to his love so we can have that peace, even if the storm does not cease, even if it gets worse in our world today. You and I can remain in peace, in peace, and that's what God wants. And I want to close with this. From this passage here in Hosea, we see that returning to his love brings a restoration and a fruitfulness. Our passage here talks about Israel and likens it to the country of Lebanon and saying that it will blossom like a lily and flourish like Lebanon. Now, Lebanon does not look like that today. And uh, if you know anything about history, the reality is Lebanon was a flourishing, beautiful country. It has been uh, destroyed by internal strife and by the powers of, uh, around it that have come into that nation, and it is so sad. When the Bibles talk about the cedars of Lebanon, they were majestic trees, all right? And that country was beautiful. 
So when we read about this here again, we read and say, okay, what's a big deal, Lebanon? No, it was a big deal. There was beauty. There was, you know, it was spectacular, the land of Lebanon. And so God is telling Israel, you know, because when you drive up north, so when I lived in Israel, I, those who don't know, I lived in Israel for a year after I graduated from Bible school. So I lived on the kibbutz that was on the Lebanese border. In fact, we had a fence around our kibbutz with guard dogs. Uh, it was dragged every night to, to make sure, you know, if anyone came in, they would see footprints, you know, just to, to protect because people tried to come in. At that time, it was the PLO. And they had come in to a kibbutz a few miles down the road the year or so before, and they, uh, uh, they killed some children, un unfortunately. So, um, but as you went into Lebanon, again, Israel, before God restored it and made the desert to blossom, was not a flourishing country, but Lebanon was. And God says, I'm going to restore Israel like that. You're going to flourish, and you're going to blossom. And that's what God is saying to you and I, that he wants us to flourish. And how does that flourishing happen as we experience his love? And often the prophets call the people of Israel back to God. Why? Because unfortunately Israel often turned away. So God was always saying, come back, Israel, come back, just like he says to you and me. And in Jeremiah 31, I read verse 3 earlier. I want to read it once again in its context with verses 4 and 5. God is speaking to her to come back. He says, from a distance, Adonai appeared to me, saying, I love you with an everlasting love. That is why in my grace I draw you to me. Once again, I will build you. You will be rebuilt, virgin Israel. Once again, equipped with your tambourines, you will go out and dance with the merrymakers. Once again, you will plant vineyards on the hills of Shomron, and those doing the planting will have the use of its fruit. Often when the prophets speak of restoration to Israel, it is connected with the love of God, like here in Jeremiah. The love of God is drawing you. The next verse, restoration. Hosea, I will love you freely. The next verse is restoration. God connects restoration with his love. God wants to restore to you and me the years that the locusts might have eaten up in our lives to bring restoration to us. He's calling you and I to return to him today. And as we turn to him, he promises that we will see good fruit in our lives. I believe it was in his message last weekend, Rabbi Michael said, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Yeshua came to give life and give it abundantly. And that happens through his love manifested for you and I. And today his call on Shabbat Shuvah, the Sabbath of return, is return to my love. He wants to restore all that has been stolen and destroyed in your life. It's Shabbat Shuvah, a day of return. It's simply a day to hear Adonai's voice calling us back to himself and to experience his great love, which he desires to pour out into your life. For those of you who are here today, like me, you have a relationship with God. How does it apply to me, Rabbi Carol? What does it mean to me? I'll tell you what it means to you, because this is how I applied this word into my life, is that God wants me to experience his love in a new level. I know the love of God. I have known the love of God since I was six years old, 
there have been ups and downs in the relationship, as in any relationship, but I know that I know that God loves me. But I want to experience the new level that God is calling me to on this Shabbat Shuvah. Return, Carol, come deeper into my love, a love that will bring healing to areas of my heart that needs healing, that will bring restoration in areas that we need restored. So for those of you who know God already and have that personal relationship, how do you respond to this message? You say, I'm coming deeper, God. I'm coming closer. I want to experience your love in a greater measure. And he wants to lavish that love upon you. Right? Yochanan says that in, in 1 John 3, 1, that God, how great is the love that God has lavished upon us. I love that word lavished. <laughs> God lavishes his love upon us. And he wants you to just soak that love in today. And there are some of you who are listening to me, whether it's actually today on Shabbat Shuvah, September the 26th, 2020, or maybe you're listening at this at a later date, God is still calling you to come to him. You don't know God. You don't have a personal relationship or you once knew him, as I said earlier, and you walked away. God says, return to my love, repent, and experience my love of forgiveness. So I'm going to lead in a prayer of repentance. I ask those who are here in the sanctuary just to join me in this simple prayer. And I encourage you, if you are praying this prayer, to reach out to my husband or myself here on Facebook. You can always message me on YouTube, the same thing. I will see the messages. You can always send a message to our info at bethemanuel.com mailbox, and I will see it as well because we would like to encourage you in this relationship. So a simple prayer that will forever change your life. I prayed a prayer similar to this when I was six years old. Adonai, thank you for your steadfast love and bringing me to hear this message today. I repent and receive your love. Forgive my sins. Amen. God will do awesome things in your life. As you pray that prayer, it's the beginning of a journey of a lifetime, and we would like to be a part of that journey and help you to grow in your relationship with God. That love in a new level. So I want to close here with the ironic benediction. If you're here in the sanctuary, remember, please be seated until you're dismissed row by row and be looking uh, for the email that will explain what's happening in the next two weeks. But Yom Kippur tomorrow night and to Monday morning, still a few more seats for those who would like to join us. So I'm going to close with the ironic benediction, and then uh, our team of volunteers will dismiss you row by row. May the peace of God Almighty rest upon you, and may you know and experience his great love. And as I said in the first service, I pray for a tangible experience of God's love today that you're going to write me and say, Rabbi Carol, you won't believe it. I'm going to say, yes, I will, because God wants you to know his love in a very special way today. Shabbat shalom. Have a great Shabbat.